All right, with that, if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to John 15, John chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. It'll be on the screen as well. Um, I'm excited to be together on the first Sunday in 2024. All right, welcome to the next month or two of constantly writing the date wrong and having to go back and correct it. How many of you guys have already written a date wrong? Yep, okay. Some of you are lying, all right? There's a lot more of you, I know that. You're just like, no, I haven't had to even write the date yet. Okay. So, um, you know, you're, we're going to write it wrong, all those different things. Then you have that week that's in between Christmas and New Year's um, that if you're like me, it just feels like a complete, like, haze the whole time. You're like, I don't know what day of the week it is. I've eaten way too many Christmas cookies, and I slept in too long. All those different things that are going on. Um, and now we're like moving back into life. How many of you guys that first week hit you pretty hard when you had to like leave the Christmas break kind of like, some of you are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I didn't have Christmas break. Okay, I get that. All right, but like when you leave the holiday time and you go back to real life and you're like, man, everything's still waiting for me. Why couldn't that be the Christmas miracle where all this work just disappeared and I start fresh? All right. Um, I know a lot of people, New Year's Eve, New Year's time, they... It seems like they used to do a lot of New Year's resolutions. Anybody in here do a New Year's resolution? Yeah, okay. So I don't feel like I see that as much anymore. There's probably a couple of us who saw no hands going up, so we just didn't put our hands up either. Um, but New Year's resolutions doesn't seem to be as common. Maybe it's because of all the statistics and jokes about how quickly they fail. Right? How many of us have been there? You're like, I'm not even going to bother trying to do this because it's just not going to work. All right, but I have seen a few other things kind of pop up in place of New Year's resolutions. How many of you have some type of a uh, tradition or a habit, maybe this is the first year that you're starting it, where you're doing something, though, going into the new year? All right, like one common one that I've seen is um, people have, like, maybe a word for the year. All right, and I see this with people that, uh, that go to church. I've seen it with people that don't go to church, like, kind of like, here's my, my word for this year. All right, and, and I haven't done this, so I don't really know all the reasons or things to go with it, but I know some people in our church family have done that and are continuing to, um, trying to kind of let that word almost be something that you reflect on throughout the next year, and it kind of even drives some different things in your life. All right, and I was sort of thinking about this idea as we are gearing up for the new year as a church. Okay, like we're going into a new year. Uh, this, is, this is a new thing for us. And I'm realizing right now, actually, Aaron, that I have, I have my stuff back there. It's just not in Pro Presenter. That's how the new year's starting for me. All right? Um, so you'll see shortly a different thing that says, a new year, real big on it. And then you'll be like, okay, now we got it figured out because Josiah doesn't know what he's doing. All right, and, and so oftentimes at a church, we will, we will kick off the new year with like a season of prayer and fasting. If you've been here in previous years, uh, you've probably seen that. Uh, and this has looked like all sorts of different things in the past. And as I was thinking about that for this year, uh, I started to get this thought. Uh, most of us probably don't need one more thing to do. We don't need one more thing on a list, one more expectation, one more thing that we have to accomplish this year. And oftentimes, ideas or goals or expectations at the new year can become just that, like one more thing that you're trying to accomplish, all right? And I, I just, I, I can't help but thinking that that's, that's not what most of us need. <clears throat> I don't think most of our problem is that we aren't busy enough 
and we need to just add more things to our calendar, right? Like that's, I don't think there's probably anyone in the room, maybe there's a few, that would be like, I need more things to add to my calendar. Most of the time, it's the opposite. I need to probably weed some stuff out. I need to take a step back. I need to streamline some of my focuses. I need to get rid of some stuff. Uh, but even that, even the attempt to like streamline and remove things becomes one more thing that you have to do. Like you just can't escape this idea. And so I found myself reading through John chapter 15 uh, and, and I just, I love this chapter, and I just feel like this was such a healthy place that I want to be in to start the new year. All right, and so I want to walk through this together over the next two weeks. Um, if you already have a specific plan of attack of how you are approaching 2024, this is not meant to replace that necessarily. I actually think that this can come alongside and complement maybe plans, goals, things that you have for this year in a way that can kind of bring some greater focus as well. And so um, because where I want to go is less of a plan for the new year and more of like, it's more of a posture to adopt as we go into the year. All right, so I, I want us to do this. Let's, let's start the year off right. Let's be, this morning even right now, let's be expectant that God has something for each of us today. Um, and dare I say, like, let's, let's lean in as if our year depends on it. Because for some of us, I think it could. Like, you're, if you're coming out of the spot where you're like, I just barely made it through the year, you might really need to be like, I, I, need, I need something. I need God to do something in my life to change this next year. All right, because if we don't start the year with God in the right place, it's really, really hard to finish it in the best way that we can. All right, so let's do this. If you are willing, if you're able, would you stand with me? I want to read through our passage uh, here together. And I'm going to be in John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. This is Jesus talking. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. God, we just pray that this morning would be uh, maybe exactly what each one of us needs. And that doesn't mean it has to be the same thing for all of us. God, you know where we're at. Uh, we just pray that we would be challenged in this time. God, that we would be changed as we open up your word. Lord, that when we walk out of here today, uh, that we would be a different person in some way because you are changing things inside of us. And so, uh, Lord, we just, we want to have that type of a posture and attitude as we go into this today. We ask this in your name. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. Uh, this passage has always challenged me. Uh, Jesus paints this picture of what is 
what really is most important for us. All right, and so often we look at our relationship with God and we judge it based off of what we are doing and what we are accomplishing. Like, think about it. If, if we describe, or if I asked you to describe, um, like, who is a, who's a, a good Christian that you know? Right, and, and as you think about, okay, who's a good Christian, and you start to try and quantify that and describe that, uh, most likely, most of us would probably have like some idea where uh, we might say like, okay, well, this person goes to, to church often and they read their Bible this many times a week and they, they pray this much and, and they give to, to church or charities and they do it with this percentage and they volunteer or serve in these ways. We have this list of things that they should do. And then we might also have a list of things that we would say they, they shouldn't do. Like, oh, they don't say these words. They don't spend their Friday nights doing this. They don't watch or listen to things like this. They don't squander their money on selfish things. And we, we have all this, like it's so easy to define our relationship with God by what we do or what we don't do. And that, that's not... not how this was meant to be, all right? And, and in, in a similar way, I think we can look back on this past year. If I said, was 2023 a good year for you? It would be easy to judge the year based on what you maybe accomplished or what you gained or what you were able to purchase or what you did or what didn't happen and then say, yes, this was a good year or no, it wasn't a good year. And this passage that we read this morning, like this, this always helps me reset some of those tendencies that I have because I think it's natural to kind of have that type of an idea. We like to measure things and base it off of all these different things. It's not necessarily healthy. And so this passage helps me reset so much of that. All right, now, now the big, there's a big part of this passage that talks about bearing fruit and that probably sounds a lot like doing things. Uh, and we're going to talk about that next week. That's part of it. All right, and I, I was... I was praying, I was even talking to Aaron this week and saying, okay, I, I have all these things I want to talk about. Is this one week? Do we just do this in one week or is this two weeks? And as I start getting into this, I didn't want to have to rush through anything. Um, and so this really is like one message that's going to be broken into two weeks. And so I'd encourage you to, as we finish this today, even just to, to make it a priority to even try and be back next week or catch that if you end up missing next week. But the, I, I felt like there's just so much to this idea and today, instead of going into the idea of fruit and like all of that, I want to just strip this back to like the most basic idea that we see, just kind of the heart and the core of this passage. Because there's something in this that comes prior to ever being able to produce any fruit. All right? And as we, as we read, you probably noticed a repetitive phrase over and over and over again in John 15 here. And depending on the translation of the Bible you are reading, that phrase might have been different. In the New Living Translation that we were reading, um, the phrase that we kept seeing was, remain in me. Remain in me. And this phrase is in this part about ten different times. All right? Um, in a span of about six verses. So you can, you can right away understand that this is meant to be important. This is something we need to focus on. And so this is where I want to go back to the idea of almost kind of having a word for the year. All right? Uh, like I said before, I haven't done that. Honestly, I'm not really doing that this year either. But I want to, I want to dive into this phrase, or really actually into the Greek word that's translated into that phrase, and maybe consider letting this help shape our walk with God this next year. 
So the word that we see over and over again in this passage, or at least some version or tense of the word, maybe with different suffixes, is the Greek word meno. Okay, the Greek word meno. I always need some way to remember things, so I kind of, when I read that meno, I had this idea of like a woman standing there being like men and like crossing and being like, oh, brother, and like leaving the brother. Okay, and some of the women are like, yep, okay, I'll remember this word. Men, oh. All right, so meno. Uh, sorry, that's stupid, but I have these little things that help me remember things in life, all right? Uh, meno means to remain, to stay, to reside. And as much as I'd love for us to remember and stick with this word, I think it's going to be difficult to have the, like a word of the year be in a different language. That's just going to be a hard thing to do. So I actually want to grab uh, two different words that Menno has been translated into. And I'm going to specifically pick two words uh, that aren't super common. They were not in the translation that we read. Because I think when you pick common words, you have preconceived ideas attached to those. You have places your mind goes. So I want to grab some words that I don't think most of us are using in our everyday language. Because I think that kind of helps us um, it it kind of jars us in a specific way uh, that, that we can see this differently. All right. Um, now, like most words when they're translated, it's really difficult to have just a single word or even a few words that represent everything that one word in another language is trying to say. And so the main ways that translations like the New Living Translation or NIV translate meno is the main ways they do it is remain, stay, and live. Okay, so you can see all the different like, places that this is found in Greek in the New Testament and all the ways that they translate it. Um, and you can see there's a lot of them that we're not even seeing what the word is there because based on the sentence, uh, the, the NLT, this translation, uh, they, they kind of change it to make it make sense in that sentence. It's more of what's called a thought-for-thought thought translation than a word-for-word. Word. All right? Uh, but some of, the, some of the ways it's translated, rest. Uh, last forever, eternal, home, lasting, waited, survived, endure, continue, dwell. All right, and then the ESV translation. This is more of a word-for-word -word translation. All right, that means that they're going to translate it more directly. The sentences might be a little harder to read, but it'll be more accurate in individual words. Uh, they stick with an older word for its main translation, and that is abide. All right, so maybe you've heard the word abide. Uh, it's not a word you hear very often. In fact, as I was kind of looking at this, um, there's like some Google search-like things. They said the two main reasons why people look up the word abide is the Bible and the Big Lebowski. <laughs> Just right there, you know, two things that, of course, our minds like, those go together. Uh, the Bible and the Big Lebowski, because at the very end of the movie, the main character has been like this crazy ups and downs, all these different things, and someone's asking basically kind of like, hey, you're still here, and he just responds with, uh, his name's the dude, he's like, the dude abides. The dude abides, like doesn't, uh, all these things are going to go like this, but it's just, hey, I, ju I just, I'm here, I'm present, you know, and so that's, that's the two main reasons I found that funny. Um, 
So the ESV holds to that word, and I love that word. We are going to focus on abide and then one other word. For the other word, I want us to actually go to the King James translation. Now, most of us, uh, the ways they translate things, it can seem like they just take words for King James. And they're like, you take a regular word that I know what it means, and you just add E-T-H at the end of it, right? And a little bit of that's true. Like, uh, remain, and they translate it as, like, remaineth. Endure, endureth. Dwell, dwelleth. You're like, that's not, how's that a word? Abide, abode. And you're like, hey, good job. You, and they're like, no, we also did abideth. They have both abode and abideth. And you're like, all right, thank you guys. So the, the King James translation has another word uh, that you really don't hear often as a translation for meno, uh, and that is tarry. So both abide and tarry are part of the ways that the King James translates meno. Not very common words anymore. For at least a few people in the room, this could be your first time hearing them, especially probably the word tarry. Uh, both of these words were at their height of popularity back in like the 1600s. All right, then when you look at the next, like if you look at 50-year gaps, it just kept like stepping down. Uh, and then from the 1800s, they have like really dropped. Okay, so both of these two words used to be used a lot, then they just kind of plummeted. And now uh, we got a little bit of like it's coming back. I don't know. All right, and so here's... I want us to revive these words this year, abide and tarry, and here's what they sort of mean, and then why I think this matters for us, okay? Abide means to bear patiently, endure without yielding, to, to wait for, to remain stable or in a fixed state, to continue in a single place. I, I love that, like when you think about this. Our lives are so hectic and frantic and going all over the place all the time. This idea of something just being constant and slowing down and just staying in one place. And some definitions of Terry use abide in them. Um, but I love the nuance that this definition brings. It says to linger in expectation. So meno, this word all over John 15, has the idea of abiding and tarry, to wait, to linger, to remain in the presence of Jesus, to slow down. I'm actually going to read part of our, our thing again here. I'm going to read it out of the ESV because they use the word abide instead of remain in me. And so I'm just, I'm just going to read this here. It says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified and you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And as I think about this upcoming year, there's like this sort of aggressive go-getter part of me that wants to lay out all sorts of goals and plans and what I want to do and what I want to accomplish. 
And I was thinking about talking about prayer and fasting as a church that we often do at the beginning of the year. And we've done that before, and we will do it again, and it's good. But I just started to feel like, what is the point of talking about how to pray, why to pray, when to pray, if our lives can't slow down enough to spend time with the person that we're praying to? Like this idea of just abiding in God's love and in his presence. And as I started to think about this next year, I'm like, I need that. I I don't even necessarily know exactly what that's going to fully look like. Because my personality is such that to just like sit and be is really difficult. My mind is already going on all the other things that I should be taking care of. All the things I could be doing with that time. So to just sit and be, I'm like, Man, that, that, sounds, that sounds like a much better way to approach this next year. Because so often, I can rush into God's presence with a, a list of things to accomplish or things that I want him to take care of and then take off running out again into my life. Because our lives are like so important that we can't be bothered to slow down at all. Like we, we hold this like, this unhealthy savior complex of like the world needs me. Or at least my little world needs me. My kids need me. My house needs me. My job needs me. And there is something very healthy about coming to grips with the fact that like things do not rise and fall on you. Some of us need to start to understand that this year. All right, that you are not the savior of anything. I am not the savior of anything. And that, that's something that we need to come to grips with. And what if instead we learn to just linger, to set aside time that is intentional on focusing on, uh, on his presence in our lives, just being present with him, not, not bringing a list, not needing anything, not even pursuing growth, Right? That, again, that's, I struggle to just sit. Slowing down, waiting, remaining, abiding, lingering with expectation. Because the thing is, all of this idea of growing and producing fruit and all these other things, they can only happen when we first figure out how to abide in him. So this whole passage is about And when we do this, it allows God to work in our hearts and in our lives. And next week, we're going to talk about the other part of this passage, the idea of pruning and God cutting. And that is a difficult thing. And it's hard to understand that actually what this passage says is when you're doing well, you know how you're rewarded? With pruning. Things getting cut. So that you can actually do even better. You can produce more fruit. But we often mistake pruning that God is doing in our lives for something else. For our life falling apart. And so that, that's, that's going to be next week. It's hard and difficult. But, but for this week, I, I have a statement that I want us to just kind of like sit on for this week. Every single part of our walk with God stems... All right, using that vine imagery, it stems out of our ability to just abide in his presence. 
And not just our little 10-minute devotional in the morning, but having a lifestyle and habits of spending abundant amount of time with God that has zero selfish ambition. All right, because when, when we abide in his presence, just to know him better, our worship is going to become more genuine. Our generosity in that part of our heart is going to be increased. Our love is more extravagant. Our grace for others is going to abound in our life. Our understanding of how to use the gifts that we've been given by God is going to become more purposeful. And so this week, I want us to focus on abiding. Like the idea of Terry, that lingering with expectation, it's going to be a little bit more next week. Because expectation is a funny thing. And with the wrong expectation, things don't work out well. So we'll talk about that next week. But this week, just abide. Just slowing down and being in his presence. And so to kick off our year, uh, I want us to do everything we can to create some ways to abide. Let's do this. Would you stand with me? And you may be sitting here being like, you don't get it. I barely have time to breathe. And you're saying I'm supposed to find time to just spend with God. Like, and not just a little bit of time, you're saying a lot of time. What I'm saying here is I think there's a different way, what I said at the beginning, there's a different way to approach our life. Where this doesn't mean that you have to be able to block off a two-hour window in the afternoon to just sit there and be like, okay, God, I guess I'm just sitting here feeling guilty. I think there's a different way that we can approach every area of our life where abiding doesn't have to happen just completely isolated from the rest of our life. I really do think there's a way that we can do things that allows God to be part of this in such a, a big and powerful way that it, we're able to continue to live our life but just have a different posture, a different attitude, a, a different way of approaching it. And so here's what I want to do. I want to go practical here. Worship team, you guys can come. I want to go practical as I kind of end this, this week, okay, of some things that we can do over this next week. So for those of you in the room who like to read, I have a book, and I was going to bring it in with me, and it's sitting in my office. And it's an orange book, and it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. All right, it's by a guy named John Mark Comer. And it is incredibly challenging. It is brilliant. And it, it, the whole approach of this book, I uh, came out in 2019, is, is like how to stay emotionally healthy and spiritually alive in the chaos of the modern world. So it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I would encourage you, if you're a reader, if you have not read that book, to purchase it and to read that this year. I think it can make a big big difference in your life. I've read it before and I'm going to be starting it again tomorrow. And I'm just going to go through this because I, I need to revisit so many of those ideas. I need to hit that restart button. And I, I think for a lot of us, we need to take this opportunity and like the, the natural, yes, cliche momentum of the new year 
I'm not saying we're making a New Year's resolution and all that type of things, but there is a natural momentum in our life that comes to a new year that just says, I want to do this differently. You look back on this last year and you're like, maybe that worked, maybe it didn't. Even if it worked, I probably could be doing something better. I could be doing it differently. And so I want us to just kind of take a different approach. We too often focus on the actions. We try to change the actions. That's why a lot of New Year's resolutions will fail. They're based on the actions, not the mindset behind those actions. If you try and change the actions without changing the mindset, you're going to fail. And so I really do think that this abide thing, don't fall into the trap of thinking that this is action. It's not. It's, it's a mindset. It's approach. It's a posture that we have in our life. And maybe as I say that, that's resonating with you, like that this last year did not go well and that you need to try something different. And maybe this is like one of your first times walking through the doors of a church or a long time. Uh, you haven't been to church in a long time and you're just like, I, yeah, I don't really know about this. All right, and I want to just kind of challenge you. Maybe for you, this is starting even more basic of just saying, what, what place in your life do you want to have God hold for this next year? And maybe this is a completely new thing for you. And I want to just challenge you. That doesn't mean that you have to like, it's going to sound bad coming from a pastor doesn't mean you have to go like all in and just be like, okay, I'm completely, like maybe that's where you're at. That's amazing. I think that is a great choice. But maybe it just starts with saying, you know what, could I, could I trust God a little bit more today, whatever that looks like, than I did yesterday? That's a pretty simple step. That could be a small step. And maybe tomorrow, can I trust God a little bit more than what I do today? Maybe, and trust might just look like actually even allowing a little bit of a space to say, I want to I wanna see what a year with God would look like. Because maybe I just finished a year and I didn't really feel like I made much of a place for God and I don't know if I can do that again. And so I want to challenge you with that. I think for a lot of us though, like, I want to I challenge us of how do we begin to have a different attitude, a different posture? And so we're going to do this, another practical thing. You know, like we said, we often start with like a week of prayer, different things like that. And I know this is like almost going against what I said and putting one more list or one more thing on a list for you to potentially do. So now what we are intending with this. But we are going to have just this room open for a two-hour window every single day this week. And maybe we'll have just kind of some worship music going. Honestly, the church is open whenever. If you ever want to stop in and just spend some time, it's open. I usually have music going louder than it should be, so you have to like come yell at me and be like, can you turn it down? Because I like to sit in my office and still hear that music. And, but we will, we're going to have music going. We're just going to have this space be a place that is open this week. And again, this isn't just like coming in and spending two hours praying. Maybe you're just going to be able to stop in for 10 minutes. And then you got to get going. That's fine. Stop in whenever, as much as little. But I remember something that really impacted me. I was, oh, what was it? Uh, seven, eight years ago. I was in Egypt. And we were there, and, and we went into a few mosques as I was there. And it actually was this really cool experience of, like, walking into the mosque and looking around. And, like, you have people that are there 
and, and they're praying and they're focusing on these different things. But there was, it served as more of like a community center, like a resting place, like an oasis, more than anything. Because as I walked around in this mosque, it was like, there's people that are sitting there hanging out with friends and talking. People that were sitting there eating food. People that were in there doing homework. Like I could tell they were college students sitting there doing homework. And then there was people that were just sleeping like laying on the floor sleeping. And I'm like, part of me, like, I was just like, this is kind of amazing though. Like, I love this idea of like, this being like an oasis that I can just like go to and be there. And it, it, it doesn't have to look like anything specific. It doesn't have to have all these things attached to it. I can just go and do my own thing there. So I know like this week, I'm, I'm just, instead of working in my office, I'm gonna spend more, and not that there's anything special about this room, but sometimes you just need that change of pace, change of place to change your perspective. And I'm just going to do more work in this room this week. And I'm like, how much more if we know that we have access to a God who loves us, who asks, just abide in me. Because that's the thing. Like, we have some friends who are, who are Muslim and, like, they don't have that same type of relationship. They don't have that hope. They don't have that intimacy as they read through the Quran. It's a lot of doing the right thing and hoping that you've done enough. So for us, when we sit here and say that we, we have this, we have access to this, God's asking, just, just come and sit in my presence. You know, pastor, or a mistake that a lot of pastors often make when they're younger, and I probably made many times and still probably make, when you're dealing with a family who's lost someone, it's a really difficult time. You want to feel like you have to say the right thing. But as you grow in maturity, you realize there's no right thing to say in those moments. There's nothing you can say to bring someone back or to change what's happened. And really what you just need, they probably just want you to be there. They just want friends around them. And I just think like that same type of approach, instead of coming to God with so many things, if I have to say the right thing, do the right thing, just be like, God, I just want to spend time with you. And so I want to challenge us this week with that. So maybe you want to write down the, the times that are on the screen. Maybe you're going to, maybe you already know your calendar. And so we tried to do some in the morning, some kind of over the lunch hour, some in the evening, knowing that everybody's schedule is different. And if you can't make it, that's fine. Like maybe you want to do this on your own. Maybe even at work, you're like, instead of eating my lunch inside, I'm going to go out to my car. I'm going to turn it on. I'm going to turn on maybe some worship music and I'm going to sit and eat my lunch and, and just spend time with God. Like whatever this would look like for you this week. And so I want us to start here because if we don't start here, we can't do anything else. We can't produce the fruit. We can't, we can't jump through all these other hoops, all these other things that we think defines being a Christian when in reality, abiding in his presence is what it means to, to, to be in a relationship with our creator. He doesn't just care about us because of what we can do for him. He wants to just spend time with us. That's amazing to me. And I neglect that and I take that for granted far too often in my life. Pastor Aaron, would you come and just kind of lead us into a time of response? I just want to invite the prayer teams to come. We're going to have prayer team members in the front here, a prayer team member in the back.
back. Um, I just want to pray for us. Father God, would you this week give us the ability to slow down? Would you help us to set our calendar at your feet and just uh, allow you to speak over us and into our hearts and into our minds and help us just evaluate these things? God, help us to just take one step, one step in this. It doesn't have to be anything massive, but just take one more step towards you. God, help us to just respond to this this morning in your name.